But I want you to do me a favor and take out your bulletin. Who, who has a bulletin? Everybody get a bulletin when they came in? Pretty much? Great. All right. Or if you don't have a bulletin, maybe, um, I don't know, ask somebody to tear their bulletin in half and give you half theirs. But um, uh, so... <laughs> Um, but what I want you to do uh, is here in the first three lines on your sermon notes, I want you to write down the names of the three people to whom you say I love you the most. So grab a pencil, grab a pen if you brought a pen, um, grab a pencil and just write down the names of the three people to whom you say I love you the most. Take 60 seconds and just think, Three people, these are the three people that if I say I love you too, these are the three people I say it to the most. So go ahead and take that 60 seconds and just do that real fast. Could be a co-worker. No, probably not. That'd be weird. Uh, could be your parents. Uh, could be your kids, your spouse. Could be anybody. So the three people to whom you say I love you the most. Now, what I want you to do next is I want you to draw a little dash next to each of those three names. Draw a little dash next to each of those three names. And what I want you to do now is I want you to write down one way that you show your love to each of those people. So what is one way that you show your love to the first person, second person, third person? Take 60, 75 seconds or so and just write down what is, what is one way that you show them that you love them? Because uh, it's one thing to say you love them, but it's another thing entirely to show them that you love them. So how do you show those three people that you love them? The ones that you say, I love you to the most. This might take a little bit longer because sometimes it's, you know, it's real easy to think, oh, yeah, I love my, I love my mom. I love my dad. I, I love my wife. I love my kid. But how do you show them that you love them? Take that and write that down for just a second. Now, this is going to stretch you. This is the hard part. <laughs> what I want you to do now is I want you to take that list of names, okay, and pass it to, no. <laughs> what I want you to do is I want you to actually kind of get up and go talk to somebody else. And I want you to share the names on that list with somebody. So maybe not somebody necessarily you came with, but maybe just the person behind you, the person uh, uh, across the room. Just take... 75 seconds, take 90 seconds, and just find somebody and say, these are the three people on my list. If you feel comfortable doing so, I'm not going to make you do that. You don't have to do this, but, but you need to do this. So, cause otherwise, it just looks like a really weird sermon illustration. I love it when we have these kinds of interactive type things. You get to talk to each other more than just listening me to, listening to me prattle on for 45 minutes or so, an hour, hour and 15 minutes. It's going to be a long one today. Um, so when you think about those names on your list and you think about the ways that you show people that you love them, I want you to think about, uh, I, I, well, I think about myself and, and how I do. And I think about the people who are on my list and I've got three people on my list too. Uh, number one is my wife, my wife, Shannon. I love her. I tell her that I love her. Probably not enough, but I do tell her that I love her. Uh, number two on my list uh, is my son. Tell him that I love him every day, uh, every single day. Before he goes to bed at night, tell him that I love him. Uh, the third one is my dad. I talk to my dad on the phone just about every single day. And the uh, last thing we say to each other before we hang up is I love you. And so those are the three people on my list. My wife, my son, my dad. These are the people that I say I love you to on a regular basis and all the time. Um, 
but the, the, the tougher part for me is that second question. The, how do I show them that I love them? And, and do my words, are they proved by my actions? Do I really prove that I love them on a regular basis? More than just saying it, am I putting love into action? Because I believe, I believe that, that true love is always proven, not just spoken. True love is always proven, not just spoken. What about you? I mean, when you think about your life, and you think about the relationships in your life, when you think about those three people on your list, how are you proving to those people that you love them? Or are you just giving it lip service? Are you just saying, yeah, I love you. Or I love you too. Nah, I I love you. I guess I love you. I suppose I love you. I guess I have to love you. But how are our actions proving our words? How are our actions proving that our words are true? Because that's the real question. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's when it's real. Because again, true love is always proven, not just spoken. And we're going to talk this morning about how Jesus loves us. And not only does Jesus tell us that he loves us, but he proved that he loves us. And we're going to talk about that for a little while this morning. Um, and, and the thing that I really hope that you get out of this is I really hope that you understand, that you really get this, that, that true love is always proven, not just spoken. Um, I know that sometimes uh, it, it, it can be hard to prove our love. It can be hard to demonstrate our love uh, because we are in messy relationships all the time with the people in our lives. Our, our lives can be very messy. It can be very difficult uh, to tell somebody that you love them. And it can be even more difficult to show them that you love them. Especially when you don't want to. How, how many of you ever had that? Have you ever just gotten to the point where it's like, you know, I love you, but I really don't want to show you? Anybody? A few people brave enough to raise their hands in it and to endure the scrutiny of other people and the scorn of your neighbors. Wonderful. Well, here's the thing is that I believe that that God not only tells us that he loves us, but that God showed us that he loves us. I believe that Jesus not only tells us that he loves us, but he showed us that he loves us. Because like I said, true love is always proven, not just spoken. And I want you to turn in your Bibles. If you've got a Bible, turn to John 3.16. This is probably the, the most well-known passage of Scripture in the entire Bible is John 3.16. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can reach and grab the one in front of you. If there's one in the pew in front of you, it's on page 752. And you'll find John 3.16 on page 752. And I, I want to talk a little bit about how God proves his love for us and God how God proved his love for us through his son Jesus we're finishing up this little series called uh, I love Jesus Jesus loves me and the first two weeks we talked about how we love Jesus one we love Jesus so we love our brothers and sisters in Christ and the second week we talked about I love Jesus so I obey him that's what we talked about last week today we're talking about how Jesus loves me so he proved it and what this means for our lives what are the implications for us when it comes to telling people that we love them and showing people that we love them. Because it's not just good enough to tell people. We need to prove it. That's what Jesus did. God sent us a love letter. He sent us his word. 
we have the Bible. And, and in the Bible, to me, uh, the Bible from the in the beginning of Genesis 1 to the last amen of Re- Revelation 21, that throughout the whole Bible, God is screaming at the top of his lungs and whispering to our hearts at the same time, I love you. That over and over again, throughout his word, he shows and demonstrates his love for people throughout Scripture. That God says, I love you, I love you, I love you from the whole way through. All 66 books of the Bible tell us that God loves us. But it's more than just words, it's action. Because for God, true love was proven not just spoken. In John chapter 3, Jesus is meeting with a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to him under the cover of night because he didn't want people to see him. See, the Jesus, uh, Jesus and the Pharisees were starting to be at odds with one another, and they knew that he was a good teacher. They knew, he even says, that we know that you've come from God because nobody else could do the kinds of things you're doing if they weren't. And Jesus tells him, I tell you the truth, that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. You have to be, and, and, and Nicodemus is like confused. He's trying to figure out, what are you talking about being born again? Uh, what does that mean to be born again? Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born of water and the spirit, you will not be born again. You cannot be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God. And so what he means by that, I, I believe that what he means by that is he's talking about baptism. Because this whole passage of Scripture is bookended by baptism. Uh, in, in John chapter 1, Jesus is baptized by his relative, John the Baptist. And then uh, in the next chapter, we read that Jesus and his, uh, in the next passage, Jesus and his disciples were baptizing people. So you have these baptism bookends. And in the middle, you have Jesus saying that you must be born of water and the Spirit. And when we put our faith and trust in Christ, when we uh, believe in him, repent from our sins, confess our faith and get baptized, our sins are washed away. Our sins are forgiven. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. The Holy Spirit lives in our hearts and the Holy Spirit begins to transform us and change us. It is a deposit guaranteeing our salvation that if we will walk in the newness of life, if we will walk faithfully with Jesus, nothing can take away your salvation. Nothing can keep you from God's love. Nothing can take heaven away from you or take you out of God's hands. So Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And then, and like I said, Nicodemus wonders, how can I crawl back into my mother's womb and be born again? What are you talking about? Unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you cannot be born again. You must be born again. And that leads us to this very famous verse. Again, the entire gospel, in a nutshell, is, is, is summed up here in John 3.16. And in John 3.16, you, you know the verse, and you can probably quote it uh, from the King James Version, from when you were a kid. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That in those words we hear, like I said, the entire gospel summed up. That if we'll put our faith and trust in Jesus, we will be saved. We will have the promise of eternal life. But we read that God so 
what's the world? God so loved the world. And that means everybody. God loves the entire world. Uh, The Greek phrase there literally means everyone, everywhere, all the time. God loves everybody. That's not a message you hear from some churches. That's not a message you hear from some preachers. That's not a message you hear from some pastors. It's not a message you'll hear on TV, but it's true. God so loves the world that he gave. God so loves the world, everybody, everywhere, from pastors to terrorists, and even those who are the same. God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son, that he proved his love for the world by giving us his son, that Jesus stepped out of heaven and came to earth to live as a human being, and he lived and he breathed and he taught and he preached and he suffered and he died. Because when he gave up his life on the cross, he suffered and died for our sins. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. But it also says that the blood of bulls and goats is ineffective for taking away the sins of people. And so in order to take away the sins of people, there had to be a perfect human sacrifice. And that perfect human sacrifice was Jesus. And he suffered and he died on our behalf. He suffered and he died for our sakes because he loves us. He loves us. He really, really loves us. You know, we sing the song as kids, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the... Well, the Bible tells me so. Why do we stop singing that song? Why do we stop singing about Jesus' love? Why do we... Oh, it's a kid's song. No, it's not. There's no greater truth in all the world than to know that Jesus loves me. And the Bible tells me that. Jesus loves me. And Jesus loves you. So we see here in John 3.16 that God proved His love... For us by sending his son Jesus. That the Father sent his son, and when he suffered and died, he demonstrated, he proved his love. God gave his son to show us his love. Because true love is always proven, not just spoken. But there are other places in Scripture that teach us this very same thing. There are other places in Scripture that show us that God loves us and that he proves it. That it's not just lip service. It's not just words. Uh, In Romans chapter 5 verse 8. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That when we were sinners, God sent his son Jesus to die for us. God didn't say, okay, let me tell you something. All right, let me tell you something. But when you get your act together, when you get everything straightened out, when you get your sins cleaned up, Then I'll send my son to die for you. No, the Bible says when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then in 1 John 4, verse 9, it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. We can have eternal life through Jesus because God showed us his love. He demonstrated it. He proved it because true love is always proven, not just spoken. And then we read some more scripture passages that talk about how Jesus demonstrated his love for us. In 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16, but 1 John 3.16, says this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And then in 
John 15, 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That through Jesus' sacrifice, by him willingly laying down his life, we can have forgiveness and freedom from sin. Jesus laid down his life. He submitted to the will of the Father. God said, I want you to lay down your life. And Jesus willingly did that and willfully laid down his life. No one had to coerce him. No one had to talk him into it. No one had to, uh, to uh, beg him to do it. Rather, he said, I submit to the will of the Father. And the Father's will, as it says in Isaiah, was to crush him. It was the Father's will for Jesus to suffer and die because God knew, because God said the only way for us to have eternal life is through the shedding of blood, the shedding of the blood of the perfect Son of God, the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when He suffered and died, He took our sins upon Himself. He took the punishment that we deserve, and now we have forgiveness. We don't have to be punished for our sins. We don't have to be punished for the things that we've done, the things that we've said, the things that we've thought that we know are wrong. We don't have to be punished for those things because Jesus took the punishment for us. God has no more wrath for you. God has no more wrath for me because he poured it all out on Jesus on the cross. Jesus took the punishment for us. And now we reap the benefits. We reap the benefits of eternal life, the benefits of freedom, the benefits of forgiveness, the benefits of hope, the benefits of love, the benefits of joy that only come by, faith, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. This is our hope. This is the love that we feel from God. And it is true. It is true love. It is unconditional love. It is love for you and me that God has for us. And that he pours out on us all the time. Because true love is always proven, not just spoken. So what does this look like for us uh, on a daily basis? I mean, what does this mean? Uh, it's great to know that God loves us, right? It's great to know that Jesus died for us. But what does that mean for us like tomorrow? When I wake up tomorrow, what difference is it going to make in my life that God loves me? I believe that God has set us an example He has set us an example of proven love, not just spoken love. That God has set us an example that we need to follow, that we need to live out the love of God on a daily basis for other people. That the people people on your list, all right, those people on your list, the ones that you wrote down are for me and my my wife, my my son, my dad. Those people on your list, those three people, how are you going to demonstrate your love for them? How are you going to show them your love? So maybe maybe you're a teenager, all right, you're a teenager, and you said, okay, I know it, it, I'm going to really stretch your imaginations here. Maybe, maybe you said that you love your parents. Maybe they were at the top. Of your, I'm not saying that they were, okay? I'm not, I'm not telling you they have to be, but they should be up there somewhere. So maybe your parents are on the top of your list. How are you going to show your parents that you love them? Or parents, if you put your kids on your list, how are you going to show your kids that you love them? Or husbands, how are you going to show your wife that you love her? Wives, how are you going to show your husbands that you love them? Uh, Brothers and sisters, how are you going to show your your church family that you love them? Or how are you going to show your your immediate family that you love them? Maybe it's your sister or your brother, a sibling uh, or a cousin. Or How are you going to show the people in your life, the people on your list that you love them? I have a little test. Okay, here's a little test. If you can't add the words, because I love you, after some kind of action, 
then you probably shouldn't be doing it. Uh, for example, okay, um, I'm going to gossip about you because I love you. It doesn't compute. It doesn't sound right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spread lies about you because I love you. Husbands, you cannot say, I'm going to talk bad about you at the office to your wives because I love you. Uh, um, uh, wives, you can't say, I, I, I'm going to talk bad about you to my girlfriends because I love you. That never happens, right? No. No. Uh, dads, you cannot say to your kids, I am going to become a workaholic because I love you. And see, we'll do that. Guys will do that. You know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a good provider for my family. I work 70, 80, 90 hours a week to provide for my family. And sometimes it's just an excuse. Sometimes it's just a way of saying, you know what? I don't want to spend time with my family. I'm going to work all the overtime I can. Uh, uh, that would never happen, right? It never, ever happen. And I know we've got to put bread on the table and we're expected to be providers. I, I realize that. I get that. But you know what? You're expected to provide for your family more than just food, more than just nipsco. You're expected to provide for your family love and, and nurturing and caring and stability. Christians, you, you can't say to one another, I, I'm going to stab you in the back because I love you. Teenagers, you can't say to your parents, I'm going to disrespect you because I love you. I'm going to disobey you because I love you. All right, you can't say those things. You can't say, husbands, you can't say to your wives, I'm going to physically or verbally or emotionally abuse you because I love you. You can't do it. Okay? So we need to think in terms of because I love you in the things that we say, in the things that we think, in the things that we do. And when it comes to showing love for the people on your list, how are you going to add the words because I love you? I'm going to encourage you because I love you. I'm going to hug you because I love you. Uh, I'm going to uh, listen to you because I love you. What? I I have to listen. There's this amazing device. Okay? It's called a remote. And with this amazing device... When your spouse comes into the room and is talking over here and you're watching whatever you're watching over here, you can push a button on this remote that will turn the television off. And then you can turn your gaze to your spouse. I've never done this, by the way. (laughs) I can look at her and say, I'm sorry. I didn't catch what you said. Would you please repeat it for me? And then when I pick her up off the ground and give her the smelling salt so she wakes up, she'll repeat to me what she said. But you can listen to each other. Listening is a great way to show somebody that you love them. So if you can't add the words because I love you after what you are going to do or what you're doing, maybe you need to change. So, so, or, or maybe you need to, to sacrifice because true love sacrifices too. That's what Jesus did when he laid down his life. He sacrificed himself. He sacrificed his life for us because he loves us. So maybe you need to sacrifice your gossip 
at the cross. Maybe you need to sacrifice your temper and your anger at the cross. Maybe you need to sacrifice your, your bad habits or your addictions at the cross. Because you can't say, I'm going to give in to this addiction again because I love you. You can't say, I'm going to uh, lose my temper again because I love you. So you need to sacrifice some things at the cross in order to show somebody that you love them. Because, well, true love is always proven, not just spoken. And imagine what our world would look like. Imagine what your family would look like. If you got the help you needed, maybe you need help for, uh, for losing your temper. You need anger management counseling. You need some kind of counseling. Maybe you need addiction counseling. Uh, maybe you need uh, to, an accountability partner. Somebody just hold you accountable for the things that you're doing. And you just need somebody to come alongside you and say, hey, I think you need some help. And I want to hold you accountable. I want to help you in this. And I need you to hold me accountable and help me in what I'm doing. Maybe you need that. But imagine what our families would look like if we were showing one another that we loved each other, not just saying it. Imagine what our church would look like. We'd be a church where people were accepted and welcomed and loved unconditionally and served unconditionally and strengthened and encouraged. We'd be a church that I believe Jesus would be proud of. We'd be the church that Jesus died for because Jesus died because he loves us. And he proved it on the cross. Because like I said, true love is always proven, not just spoken. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be people who do more than just speak love, who, who do more than just talk about love. Help us to be a people who show love, who demonstrate love, whose lives evidence love. And in that, God, we will reflect your heart. We will reflect you because you, God, have shown us that you love us. You have demonstrated your love for us. And we thank you for this wonderful gift of love that you showed us on the cross. I pray now that as we uh, move into this time of the year where we celebrate the resurrection, that you would fill our hearts with hope and anticipation, that you would fill our hearts with love, love for each other and love for you. I thank you again for your word, and I thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.